All right, wonderful. Boy, doesn't it get you excited to hear about different ministries in our church? And um, I was thinking about this, Beth, with the prayer conference and uh, the young people that sang this year, and what a blessing uh, to have some younger people there this year. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with old people. I'm one of them. And so um, I was in the uh, pastor's office this morning, not because I'm in trouble, but I was in there this morning and uh, we have a staff meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I'm, I'm in there and Sylvia Rich uh, said, now Richard, you're going to be on the platform. I said, yes. And she said, now there's going to be a camera shot and so you're going to be in the background. So make sure that you have a pleasant expression on your face. <laughs> so I, I'm working on it, all right? And, so if you see me up on the platform just grinning, I'm trying to have a pleasant expression. You know, sometimes you get caught uh, doing bad stuff. And um, nothing like being caught red-handed or red-faced, alright? And I heard the story about a little boy who was quite ornery, mean, full of the devil. And this is not autobiographical, by the way, but <laughs> he went out into the woods, took his twenty-two rifle, and shot a squirrel. And then he got the dead squirrel and pulled its legs off and, and began to dismember this, this squirrel. So he walked into his house and um, told his mom and dad, he opened up the door and mom and dad were there in the kitchen and, and was describing to his mom and dad how that he had shot this squirrel. How that he had pulled the legs off of it after it was dead. How he had you know, operate on the dead squirrel to take the eyeballs out. And oh, I mean, just, just creepy. And then the little boy kind of closed the door and he saw behind the door there was a visitor there. The pastor from the church was sitting there. And then the little boy just kind of dropped his head and said, and then God called him home. <laughs> so, you know... You try to cover up, right, when you do something real bad. God called him home. Mark chapter 2, there is a story about a person who had a sinful life. Now, I'll confess today, someone showed me the bulletin, Barbara Graham up there, and said, you know, Pastor Estep is preaching from the same text next Sunday. So don't, don't compare, okay? And he may get my notes, I don't know. But anyway, this man that we find here in Mark chapter 2 is a paralytic. But his bigger problem is not being able to walk, it is sin in his life. And it doesn't really matter what we have going on. It may be a bad knee, bad hip, bad memory, whatever. 
But the bigger issue we all have is this thing called sin. When Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible has it right. We are all sinners in need of grace. I remember years ago a famous evangelist who was caught in an affair. And he stood before the cameras that day, tears running down his face. And as he was confessing to his church, he looked up into heaven, and I still remember these words. He said, My Lord, I have sinned. One thing I remember from the whole episode with President Clinton before with Lewinsky is that he finally said, I am a sinner. That is a true and factual statement. But, can you be forgiven? Yes. Who can forgive your sin? Well, that's the Lord Jesus. So I want you to look today in Mark chapter 2. And I want to read verse number 5 as we begin. Verse number 5. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, perhaps when you look at sin in the Bible, it is a chronicle of man's history. Go to the Garden of Eden. And you know, Adam sinned, Eve, and on down through the human race. We are sinners by nature and by choice. Now, God called out there in the Garden of Eden, Adam, where are you? Because when we sin, the first thing we want to do is hide. Have you ever done anything wrong and you wanted to hide? Well, sure you have. My, uh, my Aunt Irene would uh, get her social security check. And she'd go to town. And uh, she would go shopping. And she would buy a dress. And she'd hide that dress. She didn't want my Uncle Elmer to see that dress. So she put it way back in the closet. And then three months later, she'd take it out. Uncle Elmer would say, Reen, I think you got a new dress on. No, I've had this a long time. <laughs> It'll work. It'll work. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. Now not only do we hide from people, we hide from God. When you and I are involved in sin, we don't want to talk to Him. We don't want Him to talk to us. Have you noticed that in your life? Boy, when you got something going on wrong, you stop praying. You stop reading. I mean, 
You say, well, I, I believe I can sleep in today. I, I think I can miss Sunday school or, or church. You know, uh, we all have, have ways of hiding our sin. But you know, the wonderful truth is we can be forgiven. Forgiven of the penalty of sin. We can be justified. Forgiven of the power of sin. We can be sanctified. And one day, when I stand in glory, oh, I'm tap dancing here. <laughs> when I stand in glory, the presence of sin will be forever gone. I shall be glorified. Now, Mark chapter 2. Let me give you a little background. Jesus went from out there in the wilderness praying. Remember in chapter 1, they were all looking for Him. And then He goes back into Capernaum, back into town. And so Jesus goes back into the town and He goes back to the house of Peter. You remember that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And back in chapter 1, verse 29, remember how that they went there for lunch after church and she was sick and she was healed by the Lord. Well, they go back to her house. Back to Peter's house. And so... They're back there and, and Jesus is preaching in the living room. The crowd is so vast that they are wall-to-wall -wall people and there is no room for anybody to get in. So four very creative guys who want to get a friend to the Lord go up on the roof of the house tear off the roof, and they lower this guy down right in front of Jesus while he's preaching to be healed. Now, in light of the God who forgives, and again, they thought the issue with the man was that he's a paralytic. But the real issue was not his legs, not his arms, it was his heart. And that is the real issue. It is a heart issue. So, Jesus is able to save and forgive and to heal. But who is this God who forgives you and I? Alright, buckle your seatbelt. I'm going to do this real quick. Alright, number one. In light of the God who forgives, number one, we should bring the hurting to Jesus. We live in a world where people are hurting. They are hurting spiritually. They are hurting because there is a hole, a vacuum in their heart that they're trying to fill. But that hole cannot be filled by drugs, by alcohol, by pleasure, by things it must be filled by the Lord. Now I want to read verses 1 through 4. Mark chapter 2, 1 through 4. When he had come back to Capernaum, several days afterward, 
it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men, being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Now, we read verse 5 a while ago, Christ talking to the man and to the four. But this guy was hurting. And so, it is amazing how that when you look at Mark's Gospel, person after person who has a need is brought to the Lord. The controversy that would ensue here came between Jesus and the scribes. The scribes were saying about verse number 5, who is this man that forgives sins? Only God can forgive sin. What they didn't realize is that God was standing right before them. And so Jesus has the power to forgive sin. John chapter 1 verse 11 says that He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. So, Jesus is back in Capernaum. He's back in the home of Simon Peter. Back in that mother-in-law's house. Now, remember back in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verses 29 through 31. Remember after the synagogue, after church, Jesus and the disciples, Jesus and the boys, they go to this home for lunch. They get there, the mother-in-law is sick. And so, they heal, or Jesus heals the mother-in-law. She gets up. The Bible says in verse 31 of Mark 1, she waited on them. Now, ladies, get your head around this. They go to the house. She's sick. She gets healed. She begins to wait on them. Alright, she's in there cooking fried chicken and, you know, grits and collard greens and whatever, alright? Good Jewish meal, okay? So, <laughs> cooking for them. Now, Jesus and the boys go away. I'm sure she was saying, thank God I got rid of them. <laughs> it's kind of like having children. They return. <laughs> so here they come back. And so Jesus and the group, and now it's not 12, there's a crowd there. And the house is full. And so now this woman who has gone through this looks up, and now they're tearing her roof up. I mean... Surely there is a star and a crown for her in heaven. I mean, they're, now they're tearing the roof up. 
Now, there's a disruption. Now, I've, I've had sermons disrupted by crying babies, people moving around. I, I've had a, a disruption before where, you know, the baptismal water came on back there and started rumbling. I said, folks, that's not my stomach. That's a baptistry back there. All kinds of disruptions. But you know, He is Lord of the disruption. When things don't fit your timetable, they may be on God's timetable. When you pray for healing for a loved one, and God seems to be absent or not hearing, folks, He hears. He just has a different timetable. And so you find here that um, Jesus is teaching first. Verses 1 and 2. In fact, the Bible says in verse number 2 that He was speaking the Word to them. He is preaching the Word. And then we find that in verses 3 through 5, there is the pronouncement of forgiveness. Now, the scribes didn't like that. In fact, when you look on through this story, this conflict goes on between Jesus and the religious leaders. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come to be a religious person? He came to be the Savior. Now, one thing I learned from this story also is that people are more important than things. A roof can be repaired, but this man's soul needs to be forgiven. And church folks, I just want to tell you this. This is free, but I think it's important. Churches always need to remember that people are more important than a building, than a program, than a budget, than a thing. Jesus never died for a building, but He did die for people. Years ago, I, I had a dear, sweet lady come to me and she said, Pastor, the kids are getting crumbs on the pews. <laughs> They're eating crackers in the sanctuary. She caught me on the wrong day. You ever been caught on the wrong day? Man, I, I pulled, I mean I drew. Man, I, it was like drawing a gun. I drew my Bible. <laughs> and I said, dear lady, aren't you glad that we have children here to mess up the pews? Aren't you glad that someone thought enough to bring that child into the house of the Lord? That pew can be clean, but that heart can only be cleaned by the Lord. Oh, I tell you, people are always more important than things. Now, what about these four guys? Man, these four friends grab a pallet, grab a, a rug or a, or a big blanket, and they put the paralytic in the middle of the blanket, and they lower him down. Bible Knowledge Commentary says, 
Maybe they had some fishing line and they tied fishing line to the paladin and lowered him down. Through the roof, down from the ceiling. I think, and I can't prove this, but I think James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, where James would say years later, if anyone is suffering, call for the elders of the church. I think he had this story in mind. There have been times in my life where I've called four men and I've called four people. And I've said, would you pray for me? Would you grab a hold of my life and lift it up to the Lord? And the same thing that happened here, people have done for me time after time after time. Well, I've got to move on. We need to bring the hurting to the Lord. Number two. Number two. Secondly, we should see Jesus for who He truly is. The scribes had an awful reaction. Uh, let, let's read verses 5 through 9 real quick. 5 through 9. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus aware in His Spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, Get up and pick up your pallet and walk. When you look at those verses, you find that Jesus did two things both equally well. Number one, forgive sins. But also healing the paralytic. Jesus is and was God. In verse number 7, I got written here in my Bible exactly right. God literally was standing in front of them. But in verses 10 through 11, what does Jesus call Himself? Son of Man. Son of Man. That title is found 81 times in the Gospels. It is found 14 times in the Gospel of Mark. And the reason why is because from Isaiah chapter 53, Jesus is the suffering servant. Humble in His Spirit. And so, we need to see who Jesus is. He is God in flesh. Now you know as well as I do, the world doesn't believe that. This past week, we have countries identified. Countries identified as far as on a list or people that might have some bad, one person said, bad hombres in them. But I want to tell you this. The greatest, greatest need of our world, the greatest thing that can happen is for the world in the Middle East, Israel included, 
To know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Messiah and He is God in flesh. That is the greatest thing that can happen. I may move on. Third and last. Alright, y'all been so good today. Third and last. We should glorify Jesus for what He does. Look at what He did here. Verses 10 through 12. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up. Pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, now listen to this. We have never seen anything like this. Wow, what a miracle. Wall-to-wall people crowding in there. Jesus looks and says, your sins are forgiven. Now pick up your pallet and walk. Boy, don't, don't miss this, alright? When our sins are forgiven, we lay down our old life and we pick up our cross and we walk in a new way. Boy, isn't that a neat illustration there? This guy was crippled. So was I. Crippled by sin. This guy had a bad past, a bad life. So did I and so did you. But man, when Jesus came into His life, He walked in a new way. I believe He talked in a new way. There was something new and exciting and different in His life. Man, I, I tell you, what a, what a testimony. Boy, can you, can you imagine this guy showing up at church one day? Man, like, like Dave Elledge, Kirby, I mean, this guy had a testimony. Man, he went to the First Baptist Church there in Jerusalem and said, let me testify. Four brothers lowered me down through the roof. I was there in front of Jesus. And He forgave my sin and healed my body. Well, He has power over sin, power over disease. Let me close by sharing with you a quick story. Years ago, a tremendous, ungodly atheist named C.S. Lewis came to Christ. Once he got saved, he began writing fiction. Christian fiction. Screw tape letters. Mere Christianity. Images of salvation. Great classic books. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis called people to make a decision for Christ. I want you to listen to his words. Lewis said, you must make a choice. Either Jesus, this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, 
or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Or aren't you glad for those through the years that have fallen at his feet and said, Jesus is Lord. Mm, let's pray. Father, man, what a thrilling chapter in your word. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that this God who sent Jesus is still on the throne. Father, we don't know what the world is coming to. But oh, Father, we know who's coming to the world. And Father, I pray so many days as John did. Oh, even so, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that the hurting we would bring to Jesus. I pray that the world would recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. And Father, I pray today that You would give us a passion, a yearning, God, not to cover our sin up, but to lay it before Your throne. That it might be covered in the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Y'all have a great day.